It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to monday.com. There's a place here at the table. Your coats go by the door. You can kick your shoes off in that pile on the floor. I hope you wore elastic because your waistband's going to get tight. Take time. Today's episode of Having a Night, we have a very special interview. Oh, yes. Oh, boy, is it special. It's personal. It's strange. It's, it's freewheeling. It's definitely freewheeling. It's my dad. It's your dad. <laughs> my dad and his best friend slash eating partner, Michael McCarty. The it's one Michael and only. Michael McCarty. MLM. <laughs> let's just say that if we think we've had some crazy times, we're wrong. These men... <laughs> Well, just listen up. There's no more intro needed. Listen and learn. Okay, so here we are with Michael McCarty and my dad, Martin von Hasselberg, who are like my biggest food influences (laughs) in my life. We're finally here. Yeah, we're finally here. We're finally interviewing them about all things dinner party related, eating related, boozing, yeah. We're drinking Bloody Marys. Two fat bastards. Two fat bastards. I like the fact that we're now known as influencers. So we're here. We're going to cook together. We're making, what are we making? Give Sunday Sunday roast. Yes. Uh, we uh, a raised, carvery. We raised or had raised by a local farmer a breed, a mangalitsa crossbred with a Berkshire pig. And it was recently butchered and we have a freezer trunk full of meat. So it's I brought him. It sounds her. so morbid. I think, yeah. it's a, I think it's a her. It's usually a her. Sal, and I brought a bone-in rib roast that we're going to slow roast. Yes. Oh, we're going to slow roast. We're not going to sous vide. Oh shit! Slow. I better put it in. Yes, oh. we better. Shit. To well, sous vide. It's like three and a half hours or something. Well, should we pause and put it in? Well, let's talk a little bit more. So yeah. If we can get something going. Yeah. Oh yeah, sure, great. Okay, so we've That's got. A, so you're, what anyway. are you going to slow roast? At what? Like two fifty. Yeah. Uh huh. Three. Hours? Three and a half hours, it says, yeah. And it's yeah. a beautiful pork. You know, the pork is fantastic. The best part of all these breeds is, is that they have a layer of lardo mm-hmm. that is almost better that. than the meat. Yeah. You know, and it's people, so you know, good. in America, they sit there and they go, ah, I don't want to eat that. It's fat. Cut off the fat. I know. Cut the fat. It's the know. best part. This is the oh best my part. God, I know. We're all in agreement there. I yeah. Mean, <laughs> I'm like taking the fat from my boyfriend's, like, Steak, Belly. you won't eat it. <laughs> I was going to say the way you were talking. <laughs> no, I'm carve them up a little. Like we're getting really hungry. <laughs> okay, so, so we've I got took it off the bone. Uh huh. Oh, did you roll it? No, I just cut it off the bone, off okay. the ribs, dry brined it with salt and sugar overnight. Ooh. And then we just salt and peppered it and tied it back to the bone, and then we're going to slow roast it. What is tying it back to the bone? So you take it, you cut the actual, what is it, the loin, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Cut the loin off the bones, you know, and then 
you br- dry brine it overnight, and oh, then you wow. season it and everything, and tie it back to the bone, and then roast it attached to the bones. Oh, it's going to yeah. be so yeah. good. It's better. Juicy. Juicy. And yeah. what time well, we need I hope to, so. We need to do a porchetta with one of yours. The next yes. year when you do your pork, mm-hmm. we want to ask him to just debone the ribeye and the saddle part. I'm sure mm. I have it. I and leave it whole. No, but leave freezer. it whole. Just take all the bones out of it. And yes. then that's when you do your your porchetta, where mm-hmm. you put oh, the fennel so and the garlic. Good. Well, so good. two years ago, Sophie made <sighs> a porchetta like that for me for my birthday in Do you remember LA. that in LA? I think I did. A yeah. giant one like that. Yeah. And then there was a whole piece left over, which I brought back with me from L.A., and kept in the freezer here for the last three years. I mean, it's sick. Last week, I, don't I finally know threw it up. <laughs> oh. You're like, I'm going to hell slice that up for a sandwich one day. Exactly. You never like, I, they say you shouldn't keep anything in the freezer for more than six months. Is that true? I, mean, I thought you could keep it there? forever. Well, you know what freezer, happens is the kind of way it's packed, they get the freezer burned. Yeah. I mean, oh, I God. think that's just that probably the taste begins to decline. Yeah. I yeah. think, like, you can still eat it. It doesn't get unhealthy. It's just that it becomes probably more styrofoamy, more porous. Like, probably weird things start to happen. Every yeah, January the 1st, we throw there. everything out that's not been utilized. See? Oh, my God. Oh, my Take God. Take a page out of his book. I would just, just like to say... That. We for, just did that. We just, just did that. You did? We just did that. Then why did does that. your refrigerator still look like a well, continent because that cemetery? Was the freezer section. I didn't throw out the dozens oh my God. of condiments yeah. Moldy that condiments. Yeah. But they're really good. But this they're, is also a house in which you look for Advil and it expired in 1996. Yeah. That's because we don't believe it works. Yeah. Anyway. So, so okay, so we've got a roast pork. So we have a roast pork. And then yeah, I, we've gone through the menu portion. We're going to have a, a, a mashed potatoes. Mm. And I made a sauce of... What kind? Wait, well, I want to talk about mashed potatoes for a second. Are we going to... Do you use a ricer? I do. Do you find that that really changes the texture? And I used a ricer for the first time with mashed potatoes this year for Thanksgiving. And everyone was like, these are incredible. But I think I was overthinking it. I don't know. I was expecting it to be like this life-changing. Like, I'm like, I am Now that she's finally like, used a ricer. And, and I was like, I guess these are just kind of good <laughs> mashed potatoes. Like it makes them fluffier. It does. It airs it up. Yeah. yeah. Well, the, the, the French directions are to actually... Put it through a fine sieve. Mm, that's like a racer. Is it not a chignon? Like, what's the yeah. flat one? Oh, yeah. Called? Though this kind of one? Yeah, the no, tummy. No no, 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 no. It's actually like a... Like a, like like a, a big old sieve. Yeah, it's like a, a sieve that's flat. Yeah. So that it becomes just, you know, like a fine puree. Mm. Puree. Um, when you have I did yeah. not do pain in the ass. When you, have when you got to stab, yeah. yeah. However, when it's you alone in your kitchen, yeah. maybe. So this time I used the ricer, <laughs> but I cooked it with the skins on because I had a feeling maybe the skins give it more of a mm. flavor. I always like skin and mashed skins. potatoes. But I didn't I include the skins in the mashed potatoes. Oh, you think oh. I should have included them? I like that. Rustic, if you I know. do, I do it. I make but my mashed potatoes do. and I just uh, pound them. But then you leave it a little coarse, right? Yes. A little lumpy. Yeah. 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 Lumpy. With, are you doing with garlic? I'm do. I just added a ton of butter and I'm going to, to reheat it, I'm, add, I'm put, adding the cool down mashed potatoes to boiling, you know, cream with garlic and, mm. yeah, 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 and yeah. that oh, stuff. Delish. 
What about the sauerkraut? The sauerkraut, well. <laughs> Homemade. Well, since you say that it. Uh, Homemade. Michael has one allergy, and that allergy is, is to fermented is kimchi. cabbages. <laughs> I guess what my wife's so uh, email address is. We're playing kimchi. Kimchi McGarty. Is that weird? No, it's not. Yeah, yeah it is. It is? Yeah. Oh. It is? No, it's not. <laughs> is that not weird or not the email? It's hilarious. Mm-hmm. At any rate, though, but. Uh, Martin, you guys make great homemade uh, His sauerkraut. Sauerkraut is truly exemplary. Yeah, yeah. it's very good. You must taste it before. No, she's had, had it at my house. house. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. No. it's delicious. Yeah, I'm a sauerkraut so fan. Good. I'm a fermented foods fan. Me too. Yeah, Chaz McCarty. That's all he eats. We got to give him. Um, you know that book that you gave me the fermentation. Yeah, Sandor Katz, I believe is his name, and he's like this weird, like. Uh, <laughs> fairy person who lives in the south and yeah it's a fun and then I'm making a sauce I just happened to read this recipe of a sauce with made with port dried cherries mm. thyme um, shallots um, balsamic vinegar mm-hmm. all reduced and then kind of like a beurre rouge, but yep. similar to that, with butter added in at the end, yeah. off heat. Yuletide. We'll see. It's very you know, It might be, I usually don't like sweet sauces, but let's yeah. see what it's like. But I think mm. like, a tang, like a tangy sauce with a little bit of sweetness can be so, because like you're not, you don't use it the way that you would use a gravy, like all over everything. Yeah, it's not like a. But I like think a, just like a little bit is so yummy. It's like the, it'll be like the acid component, even though it's kind of sweet. Right. Yeah. The, the pork's going to be really fatty. Yeah. yeah. Sounds good. Well, I me. hope it's really fatty and not completely yeah, no, dried no, out. No, well, no, if it is, then. 250. We can always order our pizza. <laughs> and then. So fennel? we have the pork, we have the puree. And then we have the sauerkraut. No, we don't have the sauerkraut. We oh. have oh shit, I got to do that too. The fennel. The fennel? We're doing oh, braised fennel. fennel. I see. Well, that'll, we don't have to take. And um, escarole. escarole. Oh, my salad. favorite. Oh, so good. I love escarole. Yeah. Anchovies and garlic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh now that's that's combo aggressive. plate. The balance. And then we're going to drink mm-hmm. yeah. some of Michael's Malibu Vineyard Pinot Noir. So good. Yeah. So and before that, I brought a whole bunch of beautiful yeah. bayota. So this is a pork day. Yeah. Oh, my God. This is the had, best day of my life. I had, I had our chef, Kyung Up Lim, chip. See, the difference between a prosciutto, mm-hmm. which they put on the slicer, mm-hmm. and the way you do the Spanish bayota, the Ibirico ham, is you chip it into little squares. Chip, 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 chip. Mm. So you got to hand hand. Yeah, you hand slice it. Fish and chips. Una ración de jamón is when you go into somebody's house in Spain, they don't ask you on a cocktail or how you doing or what up or any of that stuff. They go, can I get you some pork? Can I get you some ham? Because everybody has a a whole leg right on the counter as you walk in the door. God. So this is my time of the year where I do this. I get a whole ham right after Thanksgiving and we eat it up until there's nothing left. So awesome. That's a great gift. Maybe I should get my dad like a prosciutto. It's a really good gift. You'll get a jamón iberico. But then don't you need the stand? You buy the stand. stand. You can get the stand. No, no, no. And then what else? He's he would just out making the uh, base scallops. Yes, it's also this time of the year we're doing the Nantucket base scallops. You know, which are the smaller ones. These right? are the ones that only come from Nantucket. They're the size of your thumb, like oh, that, they're so and they're good. real. Mm-hmm. 
They're not the ones from China. They're not from Peru. What are those? They're not real? What? What have we been eating? They're not real. (laughs) Like they're fake? These, These are the real ones. Oh, but what do you mean that the like, other ones are not? Like they're bigger ones that are cut the, down to a size, they're like, or they're like well, they do that too. But no, they grow these scallop. elsewhere, like in Long Island Sound. They're called bay scallops, but everybody tries to sell them like you would sell an Alba white truffle. You'd attach that name to it because oh, it came from Alba. Then I can get four thousand a pound for uh-huh. it, even though it came from Yugoslavia. Right? Well, so you can call something. You can well, call you're not it supposed bay to, scallops. But they do that. Bay scallops right. is okay. But Nantuckets are the real thing. Like oh. Joe's Stonecraft. How do you keep up? Yeah, I, well, let me tell you. People try to always get around it. But anyway, Ted is our fisherman. Ted. Uh-huh. We started to with Ted. Ted. We got to get Ted on the podcast. 30 years ago, we started with Ted. Ted is a fisherman who's very serious because they have strict rules on Nantucket. You're not allowed to take the Nantucket. You're not allowed to fish them until November the 1st. And you're not allowed to take them off island until November the 5th. Whoa. So... I've some big fancy people from Nantucket said got to meet Ted years ago. So Ted has been our guy, and Better he FedEx them. He FedEx oh, really? the scallops. You'll taste them; they're fantastic. Oh my god, I can't does wait. Does he send you the, the whole the whole thing? Yeah, the whole like animal, the just the scallop, just the scallop. Okay. What is the shell? Is the shell like these are wild? Miniature? By the way, these are wild. No, the the scallop shell is pretty big, right? Yeah, but it's not like those uh, ones that they grow. They farm. These scallops in Canada, et cetera, which were a big deal for a long time, but we're not interested in that. We get the wild diver scallops from my mother's house in Maine. Those are the big guys. And the Nantuckets, we beer. And the Nantuckets, but this is the time. And it's it's a tough season because of all the storms. Uh So you have November. You really have part of November, December, and January. By February, it's over. That's so crazy. We're going to pan sear them on yeah. one side only. Yeah. Because one of these things about the Nantuckets is you could use them as sashimi, just raw crudo. Yeah. Should we do olive oil? Should but we do scallops but, but, two but, but ways? Tiny, two ways. That's a tiny little piece of, that's a delicate little piece of sashimi. Yeah. yeah no, that's but that's it. what's perfect, okay. right? It's uh, like. And then what do you. What so do we're going to pan sear it in, in vegetable what? oil. In, okay. Just a tiny bit. On one side only to get okay. it really brown and crispy because okay. the natural sugars in this thing are fantastic. Uh-huh. And that's yeah. what you want to extract from them. If you go to a place and you order scallops and they come out and there's no sear on it, you've been hosed. You've been hosed. Yeah, hosed. So, rubbery. so you take it out and then you throw out the, the, the oil and okay. you make a brown butter sauce. So you put the butter in there. You bring it up to where it turns begins to turn brown. Okay. Right? And then you put in a half a lemon per mm-hmm. order. And you do it with fresh, and then right, the lardons. So another pork in the theme here is the nooski bacon. Yes. So we're going to cook off that nooski bacon. What's nooski bacon? Nooski is a brilliant bacon dude. (laughs) He, the bacon dude. Yeah, Mr. Bacon. Mr. Ted and Nooski. We got Ted and we got Nooski. Nooski and Ted. bacon dude as well. They used to know each other. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> but they're fantastic. And so so the, the, the dish, if People you can know, envision the dish, it is pan-seared on one side, okay, crudo I'm on the other, uh-huh. yeah. browned butter with the lardones of the Nooski bacon and fresh watercress leaves. Ooh, that watercress. Old garden. Now, this is micro stuff. Real wild watercress that grows in the stream. Micro stuff has no flavor. No, they bread it out. It's like you buy that arugula in the store. Exactly. There's oh, no pepper. It it's looks crazy. perfect and there's nothing in there. Yep. Our farmer's market in Santa Monica is over the top. I mean, it's the best. Every market. Market. It's the best. farmer's market. It's yeah. so crazy. Anyway, so that's the, that's the famous scallops. And then we move on to the pork. 
And what are we doing for, for dessert? Fennel. Oh, oh, we're going to do... Well, <laughs> I don't know how many of these I drink. Exactly. We're getting ice cream. <laughs> exactly. You can cut that one pair over there into four slices. Have some of this. We were going to do um, a puff pastry, like a deconstructed pear galette, let's say. Right. So puff pastry... Uh, Just cut it up with like some whip some molds. cream. Yeah, exactly. Cut it with some or molds, ring molds. Yeah. Yeah. So you get a little. So each person gets like a little bit of crunch. Yeah. Unsweetened whipped cream. Yeah. Whip some cream, and then we have this um, apple. They're calling it apple mousse, but apple made basically from apples from upstate, well, and it's exactly. kind of like an we apple sauce. The, we have these wild apple trees that we found on our. Land, yeah, mm. and uh, we harvested them, and somebody made us a compote. Yeah, that's what it is—a compote. So, and so a little sweet, good. a little crunchy, yeah, a little tangy. So, yeah, so that's apple. that's the menu. Oh yeah. my god! Well, well do, do you guys think we need? Do you think whip unsweetened whipped cream is enough? Like has enough heft? I was like, should oh. we do a mascarpone? They also have creme fraiche, so we oh, can maybe actually we mix, mix okay, exactly. Okay. Just yeah. like a little yeah. denser. Exactly. Right. Yeah, was, that's become one of my favorite things to mix whipped cream with like ma- a mascarpone or a creme yeah. fraiche because yeah. then it gets like yeah. it's light and dense at the same time. Yeah. In my opinion. <laughs> okay, so that's the menu. All right. But Go here's on. the thing, guys. What we really need to talk about is you guys as hosts. Yes. As dinner party throwers. Right. As chefs extraordinaire, right. you guys, yeah, you guys so, were friends first. You didn't meet through your love of cooking. You met, yes. you, no, we met you through did. our love of food. I yeah. met you did. Michael. Michael opened a restaurant in Santa Monica, California, at age what nineteen or 25, 25, 25. I'm twenty-five. 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 Oh, he already. I was an old timer. He, he, he had hair halfway down his shoulders. <laughs> and, so um, today. Go ahead. You tell the story of Michael. So anyway, well, I, I met Michael when he first opened yeah, the well, restaurant. We met, we, we, Martin, we met in, uh, in 1979 when we opened the restaurant there. And the whole idea, Kim and I had uh, met four years earlier. Hi, He's Kim. screaming at Kim. She's <laughs> hiding behind the Sunday wow. styles. <laughs> and we both moved to L.A. in 1975. From Boulder? I had come from France. Mm-hmm. I went to see my brother in Boulder who was at school there, and on my way to see my parents who had moved from the East Coast, they'd moved to Malibu. Mm. So that's how we got there. Mm-hmm. I was brought up here in the upstate, on uh, in Briarcliff, on the Hudson there. And uh, so we get out there, and I figured, okay, we're going to do a new American restaurant here. It's not going to be a French restaurant. Mm-hmm. There was no good Italian food in those days. If you recall, you had Northern Italian and Southern Italian. <laughs> Definitely weren't born yet, but No, absolutely. and there was no such thing as Japanese food. <laughs> And Chinese food was what you saw, Chef Boyardee. Right. Uh, it was, like chow mein. was the Italian, and chow mein was the this. Right. I was yeah. a real weird beginning place. If you wanted, if you wanted basil, or you wanted chives, or you wanted parsley, you went to the spice rack. Yeah, there was no section in the supermarket. Yeah, where you would go to get fresh stuff. Most of all the okay. fish in the markets were frozen. There, people talk about farm to <laughs> so table. Sad. They talk about we're farm so to lucky. table. In those days, we had to go create the farms. Right. Yeah. We spent a lot of time going out. Finding farmers and getting everybody to change over to grow what we wanted them to grow. Mm-hmm. So that was the basic theme of the restaurant. Right. New American food. Fresh. Very fresh, all ingredients, and lots of vegetables, lots of herbs. Due to my wife, we really put a big emphasis on having greens, vegetables, etc. We found all these heirloom seeds, tomatoes, turnips, 
potatoes, apples, everything. Stunning uh-huh. to get it going here because mm-hmm. the, the idea of amazing. having fantastic ingredients to start with, true ingredients, mm-hmm. you know, which today it's just like in everybody's yeah, it's you like know, in everybody's wheelhouse. Yeah, yeah. But it isn't and isn't though. Like you should, I wish there was a way you could have like patented this because people are still using that as their like tagline for their restaurant. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like it, as but, if well, it's, it's like the word organic. If you want to go off the rails, the right. word organic has become oh, it's me. a joke. Yeah. But it's also like when I think about how lucky we are to be living in a, I mean, in a food perspective, we're very lucky to be living in a time in which it's like people do put so much emphasis on fresh ingredients on local and all of this yeah. stuff. But that's really, this degree of emphasis has really only started in like the past 10 years. Yeah, even even less. It started, this is what, you know, as you as you grow up and get a little long and been through a little bit of time, you go through some of the highs and the lows. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The thing that really jump-started this was not just us, my generation of chefs, mm-hmm. in the late 70s and early 80s. Yeah. And, you know, in 1983, I threw a dinner in San Francisco for the American Institute of Wine and Food. Mm -hmm. And I had to find regional American chefs. That was the theme. Mm -hmm. It was the first James Beard dinner Mm. where he actually, and the only one that he showed up because he died the next year. (gasps) And so it was in his honor, Julia Child, Dick Raff, myself, a bunch. We had founded this whole thing. And it was a fantastic dinner, but it began this revolution of regional American food. How? And now How cool is that? it's expanding. Like like it's got an education. So at the Genesis. Yeah. But, so but now in each city, you have regional little areas mm-hmm. where you have stuff happening. Like yeah. Brooklyn isn't Brooklyn anymore. It's like six cities in Brooklyn. Oh, yeah. yeah. And each area, same thing with here, California's nuts, but all over the United States. Uh, you you just have this emphasis on local. Yes. Yeah. What are the traditions historically, even in America, which is small, young? Uh, what was what's supposed to grow there? Mm-hmm. Like in Bordeaux, you grow Cabernet Sauvignon, Merlot, Cab Franc. In Burgundy, you grow Pinot Noir and Chardonnay. It's the same thing with these regions. What's supposed to grow in Seattle, Washington? Yeah. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. What's totally. supposed to grow in Minnesota? Right. And when you go to Arizona, which is why here, beginning in November, all of the green markets, all you can find are parsnips, yeah, kale, it. and carrots. That's, that's it. what's supposed to be growing here. It's so depressing. But that recession that occurred in 2008, <laughs> yeah. to go back to the beginning here, mm-hmm. that's what's jump-started this new revolution mm. in a new American food. Mm. Because when there's a crisis and there's a depression. A scarcity. Nobody has money. Nobody wants to spend $5 million building a restaurant. Yeah. They don't want to do all that, you know, Vegas stuff that was what, all the way up to that, that's what people were doing. $12 million to build Morimoto. You know, Del Posto, $11 million. Nobody nobody could do that anymore. So you find a little shithole and you just do food, a little bit of service, yeah. no decor. Yeah. And that, it's we like, call, well, that's like the Brooklyn is that. That's what we call it. Yeah, we call exactly. it the Brooklynization. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and that started in 2009. It soared now throughout the United States. You go to Detroit, like we were talking about. Yeah, there's 25 restaurants there, all like that. Yeah, Hmm. I love that. Except that sometimes I think the lack of service. Yeah, people take too almost like go too far, and they're like, you'll go to you know I'm from Chicago. You'll go to Chicago. You'll go to a restaurant, and I'm like, this looks like where I live in Brooklyn. Right, and the service is just it's almost intentionally bad yeah, yeah. Or like flip yeah. it or just like what do you right. yeah. and it's like that's this the problem with any revolution it goes too far it's like there were hippies in the beginning right but then everybody became a hippie right and you know when you let them all in it gets weird that's what's happening well with the it's also I think that there's a thing like what you're talking about is also that sometimes 
it veers into this world of like there's no authenticity there. Mm-hmm. I also hate the word authenticity, but but you know, it's this sense of sort of like, oh, you are trying to create a space that feels like a Brooklyn version of a restaurant. Right. But like why don't you actually just make really good food right. and you know, it's fine if it's small and it's a shithole and like your service don't and need you don't to have be enough mean. people. Right. Exactly. Nice just people. have them be nice. When they started talking about the Edison light bulbs, that yeah. was what, oh, about oh, 2010. Oh like two thousand ten, <laughs> the, the money people came yeah. in. No, the money people came in and they yeah. said see what we can do here you know and we're gonna take this we're gonna take it down the street we're yep. gonna make it a little bit bigger a little bit more money and put those edison light bulbs in we're in business baby guys did you know that you can send us emails if you have burning questions about dinner parties or drinking or themes or guests or really anything else having a night at gmail.com but that's night spelled n-i-t-e H-A-V-I-N-G-A-N-I-T-E at gmail.com. We can't wait. You guys meeting and like figuring out the love of food and like dinner parties you guys have thrown together. Well, that's the whole thing because you see in the beginning, right. it was always about entertaining. Yeah. Yeah. That was it. I mean, that's how I got the business. Yeah. My parents entertained. It wasn't because I wanted to become a chef. Right. Because we threw wild parties. Exactly. So mm-hmm. like-minded people like this Martin. That's why you're on this podcast. And and we we uh, we did. We did. Rick Elfman. Yeah. I mean, he was a mad dog dude, and it was a, a very good crowd. So we what, did some parties. So what was like the first, can you remember the first party? Well, uh, we've never thrown a party together. What usually happens is that uh, we'll have a dinner and Michael always comes a little bit early and then he sort of helps me put the right, finishing right, right, right. professional effort. touches right. to it. But like, what about uh, Two Bunch of Palms? But Two Bunch, oh, yeah. two bunch of Palms was a place in the desert in California. Near Palm Springs. Near Palm Springs. And it was a a spa, a natural springs. It had a spring running through it. Oh, love that. That you could get in. Like a hot spring. And it was like a a rundown motel that was uh, sort of frequented by people like us, people from L.A., from the arts design, that kind of community. And we all went out there one weekend and took it. Not didn't take it over, but we essentially we did. We take did it at over. the end. And, uh, <laughs> oh and Michael God. brought. Well, this was like the the mid eighties, late eighties. No, no, this was like nineteen eighty two. Yeah, oh, early eighties. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I remember you brought steaks that you used to get from the guy on yep, Pico Superior. Superior. What was his name? <laughs> well, oh, God. Is it Ted? Ted? Is it Ted? Well, is anyway, it I do, what I do remember you telling me is that you had him a, extra aged them for him right. until they were completely blue and moldy on the exterior right. and you'd cut off the outside and wow. it's the middle that you serve. Yeah, they, oh. they, we called them four by fours. So they were four inches, four inches by four. They were like a like a two oh by four God. times two. I can't oh. even imagine just a square of a steak. Wait, 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 it's a like a box. And like then you little... cook. Do you cut off the aged part before you cook it? Or yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, like yeah, that yeah. yeah, yeah. You... No, you get it right down to the bottom line. And then you cook it. And we brought lobsters. Oh. Yeah. Uh huh. And then uh, in those days, you know, wine was not that expensive, so we had magnums of Krug. Don't we have to carry this on. Once we have enough we, money, we will yeah. do our two bunch of palms. Yeah. <laughs> and when it came time to cook, right there, we couldn't quite figure out how to do the cooking. Right. It was I think they provided a kind of a place where you could barbecue. Right. But what oh, was, was like the fuel cooking. going to be oh. for the cooking? So 
It Outdoors. was my brilliant, uh, <laughs> highly inebriated idea to go and chop, go into people's rooms and take out the furniture. The wood no! Furniture. Break up the furniture. You're kidding. And, no, no. Uh, that's what we barbecued. You're kidding me. Yeah. a memorable this barbecue. We barbecued. So they threw us out of the room. They threw us out banned us for centuries. This is a movie. I also we love, allowed back in. Never allowed I love back. that you guys like came with like the most Perfect. You came with your four by four steaks, all of this stuff, but you forgot to bring charcoal. Well, like we, you just forgot, yeah. like all of the we other just way. They probably had something. <laughs> we just showed up assuming they'd be ready to rock. Well, they were. We utilized the what was on hand. They were in fact patio furniture. You know anything oh, made out of wood. So well, funny. Did you get in trouble? Do you even remember? We were never allowed back. Never allowed back. <laughs> oh, it was a one and done. One yeah. and done. Maybe when we try to go back, they'll see my last name and they'll be like, "We can't have you." So here. it's truly in the middle of nowhere. It's like you couldn't just drive no. to a place and get some wood chips or something. No, but yeah, who knew at that really time? Like, it was like, that oh my God, so Dad, How many people was it? Like Probably 20. That's awesome. And then others sort of so scrolled fun. in. So that's but, extremo memorable. Yeah, but we've done many parties together. We've done Easter's together. We've done Thanksgiving's, yeah. Christmases, just insane. Pro- all about the product, all about the wine, all about the cocktails. And you know that's what it's that's what it's really about. I mean, you know, I know that you guys throw parties like you had a good one. That's mm-hmm. where I met you. Yeah. In, in theory. In theory, like we can't remember anything, but in fact we were all pretty hammered. Yeah, yeah. we were all pretty hammered. Yeah. And uh, but that whole entertaining aspect is what's so fantastic about the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, I love that actually that you got into it because you wanted to entertain, not well, because that's what you my were desperate did. to be a chef. Yeah. You know, in Briarcliff up on the Hudson here, they had like twenty friends. All who were nuts, all who all they could wait to do was get off work and have a cocktail party and do some kind of yeah. crazy food. It wasn't an intellectual sort of thing about the food like it is today. It was yeah. more about, but they were very, my mother was very persistent in having the quality of things. Like in Rhode Island in the summertime, you know, she had this one fisher dude who had beautiful swordfish. In those days, swordfish were 2,000 pounds. I mean, they were stunning. They were huge. Like a, like a tuna. Like a real yeah. swordfish. What do they know? Oh, they're like little guys. Oh, yeah. Don't depress me. What's the difference between a marlin and a swordfish? Totally They actually do look kind of similar. Don't, don't they? Don't they totally both have a long... Do people eat marlin? No, not really. Why? It's like that's yeah, the Tommy Bahama not. fish. It's a little funky. It's a fish taco dude. Marlin's from the Pacific, swordfish from the... Uh, yeah. Well, no. Yeah. No, that was a good answer. But the swords are great, and the oysters, and the lobsters. Yeah. One of my favorite McCarty traditions is that... Day after Thanksgiving, turkey BLTs. Ah, I mean, it's a classic. Oh, you've told me because we were BLTs. talking on our on the cab ride up. You we were talking about the fact that like, you guys throw parties at your house for ninety to hundred people, right? Seemingly without even a thought, like you don't even bat an eyelash. And nope. while well, Kim's rolling her head in her eyes, <laughs> but it's like, but it seems so effortless compared to what it takes another person to throw off right. one hundred person right. party. Right. Well, so like, how does that work? It, how it's all do prep. That? It's the French have a term called mise en place. Yeah, yeah. just organize it from the beginning. It's like what we've and like at this about. party that we had uh, uh, on the Friday after Thanksgiving this year. You know, we have a whole squad shows up. Yeah. And everybody, like, uh, you know, I roasted two big old turkeys off these distal turkeys that are fantastic. Uh-huh. I roast them off at 6 in the morning, and they're ready by 12. Mm. I take them out and just let them sit yeah. for about 30 minutes. Then we just take the, the four big breasts and we and let them sit a little bit longer. And then I have one guy that shows up at his job. That's Bill from Morgan and Bill. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. And he shows up and he cuts those. friends. He cuts them into 100 slices. Uh-huh. Because we make basically 108 right. turkey BLTs. And we buy the Bay's oh English God. muffins. 
Yeah. And Harry's Berries has the only tomatoes worth talking about in November. Yeah. The, that's a great strawberry guy. But they have these fantastic ones. And we buy little Where gem salads from the farmer's tomatoes? market. Oh, yeah. This is the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. Yeah. This is not New York. No, this no, is in this LA. Is in LA. And we get the Harry's Berries, Touch a whole flat of their strawberries or gaviotas. Yeah. And we get two flats of Pudwell's mixed of blackberry, raspberry, and blueberries. So we do a fruit salad, which yeah. is really simple. Yeah. We do the baby gem salad with chives and a mustard vinaigrette. In uh, you talking about this, I just realized, like, you pre-make the sandwiches for everybody. No. You don't. No, no. That's the fun thing about it. There's this moment where as people start to show up at 1 o'clock, we have the 216 slices of new skis bacon, thick uh-huh. cut, starting to go in the oven. Right. And so we, 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 we broil them all off, and the, the, the turkey's ready to go, the tomatoes are sliced, the lettuces have already been cleaned, and we've got two giant tubs of Hellman's mayonnaise. And so then we, then we go, when it's time to shoot out of the gate, we, we roast, we, we broil off the Bay's yeah. English muffins, yeah. and then we have like four people that just do mayos. Yeah, your lime cooks. And then we put the turkey on, the salt and pepper, we put the bacon on, we put the I mean we put the tomato on, we put the bacon on, we put the green on, et cetera, and then they but go. But what but what I mean is that you make the sandwiches. We make them. Because I think that that is actually the genius thing, as opposed to doing like like a no, like a DIY buffet of like here's the muffins, here's the tomatoes. No, 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 we make them. Because I think that that's the genius way to do. Well, some people don't realize. Yeah, they just don't know how to assemble a sandwich. My sandwiches suck. That's why I buy a twenty dollars sandwich every day. Yeah, you know. (laughs) Or they get like don't get it stressed about. Oh, I wanted this. I didn't want that. Whereas, like, you just make the perfect version. Yeah. If they don't like mayo, fuck them. Too bad. Oh, yeah. Well, like, we, I think that that's a We have a couple really of vegans. Of so, it. we have veganese. You do know. Mayo. And we have vegan bacon. That's And we have tofu and then, chicken. <laughs> so saying, and then, I'm not and then kidding. we put on the turkey. <laughs> yeah. And we make about a dozen of those. Yeah. Uh, I haven't gotten around a gluten-free. Uh, no, English oh, don't, 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 don't. Can't accommodate everybody. No, no, it's hard. There's always salad and there's fruit salad, but yeah. I think because I like that idea, I think that that way of being like and they drank, it's a buffet, even, but it's like already yeah. done for you. You know, and yeah. we I just do, think the alternative is too messy. We do bloody bowls, oh, and we do blood orange mimosa. I know. Yep. Because of global warming, I, mean, I can't. The blood I'm oranges scammer. don't start in California until January. So I carbon front these little mothers from Australia, and they're fantastic. They're so good. With the blood oranges. Really? You, you, you've had yeah. these? Yeah. yeah, you always go for the bloody bowl, but I usually start with a blood orange the mimosa. Blood orange mimosa. <laughs> and then I transfer. And then we do, we, they, we had two cases get my, of the my end of the season Minuti Rosé. 2016. The Minuti. So the la- you do the last it was, year's it's the end. Yeah. How late do people stay? Uh, they go until 5, the sunset. And do you have to, like, push some people, some stragglers down the door? No, they go down to the guest house. <laughs> it's such a good day. It's a really And then we do pies. Because nobody eats pies on Thanksgiving. You know, you look at it, you go, oh, have a little bite. I, can't I know. Finish. I'm not. The next oh, day, I definitely after like turkey BLTs, we have six pies. They're gone. Gone. Six is actually not that many for how many people you guys have. Yeah, so. they're huge. They're those sweet lady Jane ones. <laughs> oh, man. The cherry, the apple, the so blueberry, big. the... And Haagen-Dazs vanilla ice cream. Yes. Gotta have that Haagen-Dazs. <laughs> well, I have a question for you guys. Yeah. So just like off the top of your head, if you're giving advice to like someone who does not throw a lot of dinner parties, they've only got a day, they don't have a massive budget, like what are some 
main dish, maybe a salad, an appetizer. Like, what are things that people can make? Because people get really... It's insane how people our age get so intimidated. Mm-hmm. People go out now. Yeah. I mean, especially in this city that's so... Yeah. It's, people do not have other people over. And that's, like, the question really- we're always getting... Kind of why we started this podcast. People yeah. are always like, mm. "How do you do that?" So what right. would like you? How, how on earth do you host? And it's like, or what yeah, wouldn't so, you do? You know? Yeah. I think what would you I guys would make, say? Simply make curries. Yeah. Yeah. I know you wouldn't. Maybe you don't care for curries. I do the curries when you're not around. I know. I'm a curry dude. Uh, you're a curry dude. <laughs> Every so um, I would do curries, or I would do that chicken bouillabaisse that I make. That yeah. I got yeah. From. Um, a chicken bouillabaisse is there from Eric Repair from Le Bernardin. Yeah, uh, it's a, it's essentially it's um, chicken that is uh, sautéed, uh, sort of essentially almost like fried, and then you take it out, and then you cook a lot of onions and garlic and leeks, leeks. yeah, oh, and leeks. Uh, and add saffron and cayenne. And, uh, and you can do it in fennel as well. Exactly. You can do it in advance. You can do a huge part of it. Mm-hmm. And then you add back the chicken that you've sauteed and you add some pernil. Uh, yes. And mm-hmm. uh, a, some orange peel, like a whole a big stretch of peel from an orange and some thyme. And that can just sit. And the next day it's even better. Yeah. And you can make a huge part of that. And that's when an aioli and a baguette, that's a really good... Aioli and an an aioli is really easy to make in a blender. You just put egg yolks, add a little bit of the saffron, slowly drizzle in the oil as it's spinning. What kind of oil would you use? um, A a very light um, olive oil, not not the kind that gives you, you know, scratches in the back of the throat. Um, And then toasted baguette and... Some new potatoes, mm. something like that. So good. Yeah. Or, um, and that with a green salad. Yeah. yeah. Totally. What and what would you say? That's what I would say. But you're no, I'm not like, on that side. Right. But if you if like so what what well, would let's your go back and be? some of the meals that Martin's cooked here, for example, like the slow roasted salmon, very simple to do. Mm. So easy. Right? Favorite. The yeah. puree of mashed potatoes, very simple to do. Chive oil. You you and, and to do your vegetables. Chive really. oil. Chive oil, we gotta have chives. And, and and some vegetables and the green salad and cheese. Yep. And then a dessert. You know, you you really keep it simple like that. Yeah. You know? I mean, uh, one of the best meals that Martin cooks is his roast goose. But you gotta be on your game when you're going there. I mean yeah. goose yeah. is rough. I have yeah. no, I mean one. That's like my goose is rough in America for some reason. I in Europe, geese yeah. in Germany, yeah. geese always end up being more tender than hmm. they are here. Yeah. I don't know why, for some reason here, they're always really tough. Well, but I also feel like goose and duck are both very tricky to cook. I mean, I at least, the times that I've tried to cook duck, duck breast I find easy because you can, you know, so like the, there's so much fat, fat on it, yeah. like you just do the fat cap, etc. But when you're trying to cook a whole duck, yeah. that shit is hard. Yeah, that's why, that's why we're groups. You do something in a pot like the curry, totally. yeah. or you do the chicken thing, or whatever it is you do, or you do a piece of meat, like you do a roast beef, a roast pork. Yeah. So it's all cooked yeah. in advance. All you need to do is, in fact, it's better if it sits for like a half an hour. Yes. Yeah. And, and most people take it right out of the oven and slice it. That's the wrong no, thing to do. No, totally. No. And it gives you time to like heat up your mashed potatoes or your roast potatoes. 
It's really simple in a green salad and spinach. Wait, okay. I want you two to battle out because I know you're you're you usually do a buffet. Like you usually oh, do yeah, like yeah, leave yeah, everything yeah, up yeah. on a counter, right. let people kind of handle it themselves because you've already prepped everything so well. Right. You are much more you prefer to do it either family style or plated. Right. Duke it out. Oh, no, wait a second. Michael Fight. always Fight. Michael always <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Yeah. Michael is a professional and I always You're plays. right. You do play but I plates. do buffets for the main course. Yeah. I play I like the, uh, for example yeah. like the a, a traditional dinner at our house it would be We'll plate, for example, like the scallops today. Uh-huh. Yep. Or when it's yeah, white asparagus, the white yeah. asparagus. Mm. Or when it's the green asparagus. Plated. Yeah, they have to be plated. because Plus, you want to get people, when it's tomatoes and burrata time, when it's prosciutto and melon time, you plate that because it's too complicated. People, you know, they go, They don't know the ah, ratio. They yeah, mess that's up true. the plate. Yeah, and they fuck it all. That's very true. So, but then when you do the main yeah. courses, for example, like we always do a grilled meat and a grilled fish. Mm-hmm. So you slice the grilled meat, you slice the grilled fish. You have the big salad. You have whatever starch, whether it's a pasta or risotto. Yes. And you have a vegetable. And that's it. And then people go down the line. Right. And they take what they want. And then they also keep track of when they want to come back. And then you can also take those platters. And if the table's big enough, you can put them on the table. And that's what we do. The second round is right. you you do that. And what do you, you... But I, on the other hand. I, on the other hand. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you do... You usually do family style. You don't... I well, don't like a buffet. Family style works. <laughs> I I like you send some words very interestingly in the course know, of this I'm podcast. Just, I'm, I'm just trying it out. <laughs> I don't like a buffet. <laughs> Buffet. You don't. You prefer, but you don't no, always No, I think at, at home I don't like a, yeah, whatever you, that thing is. Uh, no. I like the idea of, of it being on the table. And right. People helping themselves to whatever they want. Right. So, and that way it gets around people, you know, with their peculiarities of right. what they don't eat or can't eat at right. that moment. And they can help themselves. If you plate, they're stuck with whatever you right. give them. Yeah. We never no, I think course. you can't really plate at a home. You can plate at Also depends on the size of your table, you know. Yeah, if you have exactly. room, like our table in our apartment is, you know, it's... 54 inches, you know, 48 inches. Yeah, but inches. your tables in Malibu seat 75. Yeah, they do. <laughs> no, but right, but it, you sort of have to adapt to whatever course, it whatever. is. Yeah, yeah. If you yeah. got the room to do it, I mean, the the family style is always a big hit. Yeah, you yeah. Know, and it's easy to just put it all on the table that nobody has to get up. Yeah. Do you do a salad plate or all on one? Oh, plate? yeah. Ari and I have heated, uh, I wouldn't say heated, who, but we have debates about and this. And who, who says what? I love a salad plate. I don't like a salad plate. Why? She likes to have everything all together. I was brought up on a salad plate. I love I was salad, salad silver. Plate. I was brought up on, with everything on the same plate. That's, yeah. same, that's what I like. That's the way that I was brought up. But yeah. that being said, you always have a salad plate. Because yes, I wouldn't I was be a salad plate if you weren't. With salad always being served with the meal. Yeah. That it's not a separate course. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. I have a salad plate because. There's usually so much on the plate. Yeah. Same with, yeah. Right, that's, that's why, why I always have a salad But plate. I want, like, a bite of, like, acid that right. you're not yeah. getting from anywhere but else. So you want to eat that. why can't you have it on a separate plate? Oh, no, you can. Yeah, but then you're, but then you're, she, but then but I'm going to like, salad to... on my... Why? We'll see because how it goes she likes today. to mix. I like to mix things. <laughs> yeah, you're a very mixer. See, I'm, like, yeah, I think you're good about that. I'm usually, like, well, I get really excited about my salad because I just, I love salad. 
Yeah, well, salad so and cheese together. So again, depending on the scope of the meal. But I also don't love the French way of doing a salad after the main course. Uh-huh. I want my yeah. salad but with is that my the main way course. In France, is yeah, the salad. Yes, the salad. Yeah. Comes. I don't know if that's true. Yeah, it does. It comes after the no, main before no, the cheese. No, wait a second. That's not true. Yeah, but the yeah. salad comes. Even in the university, when I was there, they would they daddy. Would it's true. The in the, I learned this from Mika. What do you call it? The uh, but what is she? cafeteria. Maybe you, they. That's the way it's supposed to be, but probably not a lot of. Places but it's merging into the program, okay. so you have a steak, a frit, and the salad all at once now. Exactly, yeah. like because that, yeah. but see, but so that's why I Actually, want my salad separately. But what if you want a bite of steak with here. your salad at the same time? At La right? I guess I would go like this, this and then like this. this. Yes, except with my hand. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Please Whole. tell us about your Paul Prudhomme extravagance. So I don't oh. know when it was. I think it was obviously like always early eighties, like yeah. 80, but this this was one eighty two, eighty three, something like that. Yeah. So well, this one way of, of dating it is it was when Romancing the Stone came out because we went <laughs> to see that. Yes. So we went to K. Paul's Louisiana Kitchen, right. Prudhomme, Paul Prudhomme, one of the heaviest restaurants in American in the really, American. Really and, uh, history and uh, Michael and Kim and I went and Michael and I had so the, the first half of the entire menu right oh we my had the god the first half and drinking Cajun martinis oh my god what's yes. in a Cajun martini it's you take uh, the gin or the vodka and you put a jalapeno pepper in it overnight, oh, nice. yeah. and it becomes really spicy. Oh yeah. my god! And that when after we finished the ha- first half of the man. menu, we went and saw Romancing the, the Stone. The Stone, and came back. To, came back, and then we ate the entire second. second. Oh my god! That, and that, that was, was like the best and, night of and my life. That was life. the black and redfish oh, and the black and coach above. Yeah. But you also see, the fact that they're just just remembering from thirty years ago. Everything. Oh my God. See, Paul Prudhomme was was the chef at Commander's Palace. Yep. Uh-huh. And he was cooking old guard French Creole food. Yeah. Old guard, old style, like continental cuisine, but with a you know a New Orleans bent. Yeah. yeah he yeah. started to modernize it. Uh huh. He started to change it. He did what I did in California. And you start to change it. You say, okay, these are my roots here. This is what's going on here. These are what the traditions are. This is what's growing here naturally. Mm-hmm. How do I how do I tweak this up? Yeah. So that's when he went and left and did K-Paul. Now, in the old Cajun term, the, 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 the wife's name comes first, and then the guy's name is next. So K was his wife. Oh, oh. I didn't know that. K weighed about 82 pounds, and Paul weighed 450 pounds. <laughs> wow. And so they opened so up great. K-Paul's, their own little restaurant. And he started to do this, and of course, you know, so uh, uh, he mm. just soared. It became internationally famous. Oh, so good! But it was in t- intense, intense, intense. But he did the same thing. He lightened it up, just like what I did mm. with French food. You lighten it up, although it's a stretch yeah. in that one. Yeah. But <laughs> if you if you, you take the jalapeno <laughs> vodka martinis, and you're you, you sort of are you know you're taking a piece of the black and red fish, you take a snort of that. And then you do a Barks root beer chaser. Ooh, damn! Yeah. I have Shit, we never go to heard of a Barks root beer chaser. Yeah, Barks. Well, you better do it I soon do because yeah, Barks. I don't think we could do it today. Now we could do it. I can't believe that you guys did that. I love that. Yeah. A bang bang. My friend <laughs> refers to that as doing a bang bang, a bang which bang. is like basically do like. 
going from one restaurant to another and just like right. eating multiple meals yeah. at well, multiple my, places. My yeah. in Paris, yeah. in Paris we did in that. Paris together. And, and in the that. 80s here, when we came to New York, when I was tr- I had found my restaurant here mm-hmm. in 1979, it took me all 10 years to get it, but we kept coming every year. And so we would come and we'd go to a 6.30 reservation, a 9.30 reservation, and an 11.30 reservation. Guys, what the fuck happened? What are we doing sitting here? Well, that's (laughs) that's why Michael weighs 500 pounds and I weigh 650 pounds. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, wait. Kim was there. (laughs) Kim was there and Kim still weighs 82 pounds. Yes. We did the same thing in in Paris. I think we had three lunches. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it was brilliant. Yeah. Follow us on Instagram. Our handle is just at having a night. You can also slip into our DMs if you have any burning questions about food-related things. Keep it PC, guys. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.